0: Good afternoon
1: and welcome. This weekend, the province took over yet another nursing home and delegated management temporarily to the William Osler Health System. Military personnel were also called into the Woodbridge Vista care community where 22 residents have died of COVID 19. It's a development the CEO of Siena Senior Living, which owns the home, characterized as good news. And it was just days after another top executive at that same company, Sienna Senior Living, was dismissed from her job after allegedly mocking families of long-term care residents, calling them, quote, blood-sucking class-action lawsuits people. Also on everyone's mind, massive demonstrations this weekend, and the question is, will they seed another wave of the pandemic? And remember that one time, top-up for seniors the government promised. Well, uh, the check is not quite in the mail. We want to hear from you. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 866 740 740 And now I'm joined by the Zoomer squad, including Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP. David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Marketing Officer at Carp and Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine. Hi, everyone. Hi, Libby.
2: Libby.
1: Let's start with Marissa. And uh, let's start with these top-ups to the OAS and the GIS, Marissa, because I remember we announced it. And we assumed that it would just go in with the first monthly payment after that. And it was, I think, on Friday, just in time for Free For All Friday, that we found out, uh, oh, by the way, yes, that that money is is coming on July the 6th. Uh, I don't even know if there are checks on July the 6th. Uh, Meanwhile, the top-ups to families are already there. Uh, What are CARP members thinking of this? Well, I can tell you
3: we've had a steady stream of angry CARP members um, wondering why it's taken the government two months to deliver on this commitment. Remember, they made the announcement back in early May. So now to hear that the government will be delivering on this one-time top-up on July 6th, I mean, I think, I think many people were frustrated to begin with with the announcement. It felt like it wasn't enough. And now they're being told they have to wait two months to receive it. So, you know, I, you know we, we understood in the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, the government's initial was, response was really to address income replacement. Um, and then there were a number of other programs that were targeted at specific groups. Uh, students And it really felt like seniors were a bit of an afterthought. And then came this announcement for the top up. And, and while we were pleased to see it, I think many people just are simply frustrated because there's just no question. There have been increased out-of-pocket expenses that have made it difficult for people to get by over the last three months.
1: Yeah, and uh, even when it came in May the 6th, it did seem like the seniors were an afterthought and they were the last kind of group, uh, I guess disabled people too, they came afterwards, uh, but uh, the last group to get attention. David?
4: Well, I think it's true. I think that if you look at the, um, even the evolution of the nursing home uh, scandal, it, it came in waves and the seniors oh my goodness this is disproportionately affecting seniors uh, life death wise in the nursing homes and then financially with the various payments and it's not that unusual for the government to fumble the the rollout and the communications we've seen this before i remember what we did about the uh the so-called simplified income tax forms where i think you had to work hard with me to find out where to where people could even get their hands on one so it's not unusual, but it's particularly unfortunate in this case because um, these are need to have. These are not nice to have.
1: Well, yeah, and and Peter, do you think it's a a, a, a deliberate calculus that uh, Trudeau is saying maybe? Well, I I need young families more than I need those seniors. We know that seniors vote.
5: Well, he said he said that um, seniors aren't that they hadn't lost income due to the uh, to the economic shutdown so he that that was his explanation for why they came last he said they needed to the government needed to get help to business get help to individuals first and then to sectors that were struggling and then to seniors and uh, that's why he put them last but it, it is <laughs> it is a bit of a slap in the face that they came after foreign students you know like I, I thought that was quite funny but uh, You know, um, I I guess he's done the calculus, and he he figures, um, you know, families, he he wants that that family vote more than he wants a senior vote. And that's 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 over
1: and above any income replacement for families. That's not income replacement. That's a top-up. Right. Yeah, yeah, it it seems a little incomprehensible, and, and on top of the horrific situation in our long-term care homes and the fact that 82% of the deaths from this pandemic are in the long-term care sector, you would think, Marissa, you would think that they would try a little harder. You would think, um,
3: but there's, there's no question. I mean, ageism is, is, is so pervasive in our society, we don't even recognize it anymore. And and it's so clear that, you know, our our seniors have been let down by every level of government um, from the very start of this pandemic through to now. And I think that there is an appetite on the part of our government to address what's going on in long term care. But the problems are so deep and they're so large, they don't even know where to start. And also keep in mind the people that are making decisions around how to fix our long-term care homes. Many of them have not even stepped foot in a long-term care home, haven't seen four-bedroom wards, haven't seen how narrow the hallways are, haven't tasted the food that's served in these facilities. So that's a real problem.
5: Yeah, and, and Mercy you really got the sense when, when the Army report came out that for many of the... Uh, you know, many of the government officials were surprised by it all. You know, like it, 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 it was the first time they were hearing of it, it seemed. You know?
1: Well, yeah, so. and that's, uh, you got to wonder about that. It was very interesting. On Friday, the Registered Nurses Association released 35 reports going back 20 years. With the proviso that we really don't need another commission or inquiry or whatever, mm-hmm. we know what the problems are. But I mean, it's you know, if that doesn't underscore the situation, I don't know what does. Thirty-five well,
4: reports. They, I, I think what I mean there's there's I, I don't want to put in a, a a pitch for the government here, but there is an old political axiom of, you know, never attribute to malevolence what can be explained by incompetence. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we were all happy enough with the announcement on in May of the top-up. So the question becomes, well, how dare you announce this in May without having any idea how to get the money delivered? I mean, there's a sloppiness that pervades all of this that is very alarming. And I think it's exacerbated by what you just said a little bit about the reports dating back 20 years. I mean, Hundred and eighty nine inspectors of nursing homes in Ontario conducted a grand total of nine uh, inspections last year. So and I then, want to and see then who now they're doing them myself. Who's heads in a role for
1: this? Yeah. So uh, you know, still with long term care, we saw yet another long term care home taken over by the government, the management handed to William Osler. And it's the same one where we saw another uh, top executive fired for just being really callous, really callous about the loved ones of people in that system. So where does this leave us? I mean, there, there is a big issue about whether private long-term care homes should be gone if, because most of the problems are with them. Does, does this just uh, prove that?
5: I, I think it does libby i i, I think uh, you know their bread and butter is really retirement homes that 's where they make most of their money and, and I think we 'll see a shift uh, of the long term care element over to a more hospital like setting run by the province or or nonprofit and, and uh, let the let the homes do the, the retirement you know uh, villas which they do very well and they make a lot of money on. It.
1: Yeah, but is that just going to shift the burden? There are a lot of people, including Samir Sinha, who is one of our top geriatricians, who basically says whatever we do should also cover the retirement home sector because just as people are older and frailer in long-term care, the same thing is happening in retirement homes. And, and often, Marissa, as you've said many times, they're there because they can't get into long, long-term care. That's right. You know I.
3: I'm not convinced that eliminating the private sector from long-term care is the single solution that will fix long-term care. There are just so many problems with this system from staffing to underfunding. And you, and you do worry what, about injecting more cash into this sector and what the long-term care, the private homes in the long-term care sector will do with that money. Will they just, you know, will it go toward their bottom line or will it actually go toward frontline staff? Um, I can, honest to God, say I was just disgusted by Ms. Dykeman's comment referring to families as blood-sucking class action lawsuits people. I think it's horrible that these people even exist in this space. And I think, hopefully, what comes out of all of these inspections and investigations is that there will be a very clear list of people that shouldn't be in this industry, and they should go elsewhere, because there's just no question that there are some really bad actors and They shouldn't be operating homes. Well, are you talking about corporations or or particular executives? No, I think. Well, it depends on. I, I'm talking about home operators. There are a number of home operators that shouldn't be in this space, but also in, in, in this case, it was a particular executive. I, I think that he, I think the um, question is
4: uh, inverts what needs to happen. It, it may be. I don't have a position. It may be true that there should be no private. Uh, uh, providers in long-term care homes, um, but I think the issue really should be what do, what is long-term care, what does it need to look like, yeah. what does it need to look like at every phase along the continuum from living in your own home and requiring a worker or an assistant to come in once or twice a week or even more often to take care of you in your own home. Now your medical needs increase. You need to be in a, you need to maybe move into a, a retirement home You want to downsize. Maybe then you need institutional medical care. What has to happen? What do those facilities need to look like? What do they need to deliver first? Then who best to deliver them? But if you, if you start with an ideological thing, get rid of all private uh, providers, then okay, well, what happens to the people living in those buildings right now? are you confident of a rational transition plan? I'm not. I don't think the same people that brought us this mess are remotely qualified to create a transition out of it. I'm very worried about that. In fact, I'm more worried about that than anything. What makes us think that now that we've got their attention, that the same geniuses that created this fiasco can fix it? I I don't have... uh, uh, you know, I, I admit I'm not uh, overflowing the confidence on that topic. Well,
1: right? you know, I, I think that if there is a more, I mean, right now the money is in envelopes where they have to spend it, but yes. there's still enough room for profit and there's cutbacks of staff. So I think that if, if the rules for what you have to provide, certainly in terms of staffing, become ironclad, then, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. those businesses will get out of that business because yeah. it, it will not be profitable. I don't yeah. even think you have to say, okay, we're we're banning for-profit homes. You tighten Good up point. the rules yes. and they'll get out themselves. As, and yeah. that speaks
3: to a real need for national standards and very clear guidelines and standards that have to be implemented in these homes so that for-profit facilities cannot circumvent these these regulations, these 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 standards in the homes as as um you know many are now.
1: Yeah. Um let's take a call from Bo in Brampton and, and Bo I think you're a bit of a contrarian here. Hi. Hello. Hello, you're on the yeah, air. It's, Go it's ahead. Bill. It's Bill. Bill, sorry. Uh, yeah,
2: well, yeah uh, I'm very concerned. I mean this government we're spending money left, right and center. It's our grandchildren that are going to have to foot the bill somewhere along the line. I'm a senior, and I really don't understand why I need extra money. I'm saving money the last three months. I can't go anywhere, so I'm not driving. I'm saving in gas. I can't go out for breakfast. I can't go out for lunch. I can't go out for dinner. I can't go to the casino, have some fun. I can't go visit my grandkids. I'm sitting at home going doing groceries once a week. Where do I need extra money for?
1: Well, people we who are seniors
2: should be saving money.
1: Well, so spent, th-
2: I have a grandson who is, you know, maybe mentally not quite there. He finished high school and in his last semester, all he did was work in a store where he didn't get paid just to get experience. But that's the only work experience he had, and the fact that he never got paid, he doesn't get a penny. He's nineteen years old,
1: well, and that he doesn't get a penny
2: be... of assistance. Um, Nothing.
1: Can- Okay. Uh, let me respond to that. Okay, if, we're going to Okay. Uh Bill, I'm going to let you go and you listen to Marissa's response. Thanks for your call. You know, it's interesting because you can collect OAS with an
3: income of up to I think it's around $125,000 a year before it's fully clawed back and it starts to get back clawed back just before that sort of $100,000 mark. And so some people have said, "Well, why do people whose annual earnings or income is, you know, upwards of $100,000, why do they need a one-time $300 top-up? And, you know, I understood the government's decision to select GIS and OAS recipients as sort of a, you know, it was a blanket decision, and they needed to get cash out, and they wanted to get it out quickly, and so these two, they chose these two specific programs to do that. Um, of course, you know, it's now taken them, it'll take them two months in the end to actually get the dollars out. So I'm not sure it was the right decision. But I think what he's, you know, we need to remember, we're at a time in history where there's just so much diversity of situation. This is a cohort of people that is getting bigger and bigger. And there are examples everywhere along the spectrum of people in need versus those that are not. Um, and it's and it's hard to create a one size fits all solution for this, for for a group of people with so many individual circumstances.
1: Well, and the the other thing I wondered about, I get that they wanted to do it in a blanket program because yeah. once you start fiddling around, it takes longer. But they made it this top up tax free. That I don't get. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. So that I don't get. Let's go to Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Good
6: afternoon. Uh, lots of comment, lots of comment, but nobody talks about how are we going to pay for this? Is, it, is the money going to drop out of the sky? Taxes. Well, <laughs> exactly.
5: Taxes. They're
1: saying they're not raising taxes. Well, <laughs> they, they <laughs> will. they going to raise so you taxes. out <laughs> of the sky. They may not
6: do it this year, but they will raise it. Yeah, and I've raised this point before one thing that kathleen Wynn realized was that there was not enough money being put aside forcibly put aside through cpp so if if we do that then most people will have money available in order to fund the uh, uh payments and the cost of senior care so because People have a way of hiding money, otherwise. So, but if you have it where it's a government pension coming in, and we made that government pension instead of twelve thousand dollars a year, made it twenty-five thousand dollars a year for savings, then we would have money to pay for the senior home uh, type costs.
1: Okay, Pat. Thanks for your call. I, I think Pat well, Let's go to just, point, just but, a sec. I've am i I'm just... Uh, Do we have uh, Pat in St. Catharines there? Hello, Pat.
7: The same thing Bill just called about. And uh, calling all my friends. I'm 80 years old, and my friends are all the same age, and we've all said the same thing. We don't... We didn't... With this money, like we got that refund from GST, and now we've got this $300. And they have a lot of grand... I, children and relatives they know that need the money. And here like I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm making donations. You know, if I get Red Cross or trying to make donations. And a lot of seniors didn't need this money. I think that they should have made us apply for it. If you need the money, it's here for you.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, the th- I, again, the theory was that if they did that, it would take a long time. And uh, it's still taking a long time, Pat. Uh, uh, Marissa, I guess we have a lot of well-off Zoomers, seniors. <laughs> well, we're not calling,
7: going anywhere, see? Well, I mean, there's more money in my bank account than since started, because, like, I used to go out all the time. Well, yeah, but go it's, For lunches, dinners everywhere, and dances, you know, well, but now we good. can't go anywhere, so we're not spending any money. And we're just going out for groceries,
1: well, yeah, there are a lot of people who can't even do that and they have increased yeah. delivery fees and until there was a little uh change with with the drugs, people who are on multiple medications that that had to be co-paid. Yeah, I realize all that. Then those people should be the people they
7: should have got six hundred instead of my three hundred. They should have got more. And I should have got less. none. Well, Maybe no what anything. you mean like it's safe. Yeah, let I'm just mean for anybody that I know, that all the seniors that I know say that you know they don't need it we don't need it why do we get it?
1: okay well let, I'm gonna let Marissa respond but um, well it's what wh- I can what I know about our own
3: cart members is that they are a very generous group and I have no doubt that if someone received three hundred dollars from the government and really does feel strongly about the fact that they don't need it that maybe they'll take those dollars and and, and they'll give it to charity or, or they'll give it to someone who does who does need it. Um, again, I think the purpose of the program was about expediency, um, the irony, of course, being that the government actually can't get it out for two months. Um, but I can also say that, listen, I, you know, we've heard from countless CART members who have expressed that this COVID pandemic has put them in a very precarious financial situation. So while I'm delighted to hear that, um, you know, you don't need those dollars, there are people that, that live paycheck, that are on fixed incomes, um, that have seen a 30% increase in the price of their groceries, that are taking 10 or more medications and have seen their dispensing fees skyrocket, that have had to pay for other things like delivery of fees on, on groceries and, and drugs and, and those costs set up. Um, and, and, and people have been put in situations where they are making difficult to sort decisions around um, necess- around everyday necessities. Um, and no one should have to be put in, in a position like that.
1: Uh, I'm going to take a call, I think it's Claudette, is that right, in Hamilton? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Claudette, go ahead, you're on the air. Okay,
8: uh, I just wanted to say not everybody is uh, has a lifetime uh, pension, and not everyone is uh, a well-off Zoomer, uh, especially single females. So um, I do have a pension that I'm drawing for, from, but the investments have gone down mm-hmm. a lot. So uh, I am in favor of the help. And, yeah, maybe I'm saving money by staying home, but that's a sacrifice, right? And um, I also think, speaking of tax, I don't think OAS should be taxed. So tax-free uh, benefit there shouldn't be taxed either.
1: Well, your, your $300 won't be taxed. That means, you know, people who are getting yeah, it clawed that. back, that $300 bucks will not be clawed back. Yeah. I realize that, um, yeah. but I mean, you're hearing from a lot of people that are
8: are not on fixed income. Obviously, they've had better luck, um, but you know, not all of us are there. And I also, um, you know, like I, I just want to address uh, the way as being taxed is not, it shouldn't be as well. Um, so anyway, okay. that's my comment. Claudette,
1: thanks for that. Okay, yeah, we're beginning to run out of time. So I want to ask, uh, with these large demonstrations this weekend, we just heard the Conservative leader, Andrew Scheer, saying people are upset seeing our, seeing A, that these were allowed, and, and uh, some of our politicians who are telling everybody to stay at home, who are not allowing you to grieve for your loved ones, not allowing you to see your loved ones in long-term care going out, Justin Trudeau going out taking a knee. Uh, How do you see this and are you worried that this is going to seed another wave? Marissa? Well, um, I'm certainly not a health expert, but I can say that
3: I've read a number of comments from health experts in Canada and in the US that have expressed worry about a possible surge in cases as a result. So I'm inclined to say yes, only because these protests have brought Thousands of people out of their homes and onto the streets in cities across Canada and the U.S. Um, the majority appear to be wearing masks, but of course that isn't a guarantee. Um, but I guess you know, for so many people who are protesting, the cost of not doing so um, is uh, is greater than contracting the virus itself.
1: Peter,
5: um, I. You know, I, I think the majority of the people in these uh, rallies are young. They're 20 to 30s. And um, in Ontario, I think I read somewhere that only 10 people between the ages of 20 and 30 have died to COVID. So um, they're not scared of getting COVID. They're not scared of dying from it. Um, they have no jobs. They have no school. They have nothing to do. Uh, it's not um, unexpected that these kind, this kind of unrest is going to build. And if it is like a, a demonstration, it's a, it's nearly impossible to put in uh, distancing in it. So, you know, Trudeau, Trudeau said we need to sort of uh, balance you know uh, the need to demonstrate w- uh, uh, with uh, physical distancing. That's not possible. The, the fact is, young people aren't scared of getting this disease, and they're they're just gonna they're just gonna go out. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether whether the cases spike afterwards.
1: Well, we'll find out soon enough, yeah. David. Twenty seconds. You got the last uh, word. No, I, I echo what Melissa and uh,
4: Peter said. I do think it is going to compromise to some degree the credibility of the experts that have been. Uh, scolding us because their advice has changed abruptly from this is, you know, it's dangerous to society to congregate in Trinity Bellwoods Park versus it's not so dangerous if the, if the cause is good, and the cause is good. So uh, I'm I'm less bothered by the, the protests and the lack of social distancing, it's true, it's young people, than I am about the, well, if that's the case, why are we still locked down?
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay, we're out of time. Thank you so much to our Zoomer squad, Marissa Lennox, Peter Mugridge, and David Kravitz. And we will talk again next week, if not before. Thanks.
0: Okay. Thank Thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.